You cannot expect what you don't inspect. Truth knows no color. Excellence knows no color. With Michael Vick, I heard his heart, Brian. All Things Covered listeners, all Things Covered viewers, we have a special, special episode for you guys today. One thing about our show, Pat P, Brian McFadden, All Things Covered, we we believe in giving individuals their flowers while they're here. This is a flower-giving episode. The man I'm getting ready to interview is a guy I highly respect. I have been following him since I've been an adult, to say the least, since I've been able to consistently watch sports. He's always been in my viewpoint. He's been in your viewpoint as well. His voice is a a tone you will recognize regardless of where you are globally. One thing about this individual, he's so knowledgeable, professional, and he just understands and what it means to be able to get the quality content to you guys for you to enjoy. Host of the NFL Today on CBS and inside the NFL on Showtime, an Emmy Award winner. He has hosted 10, 10 Super Bowls, mm-hmm. member of the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. A living legend is joining me here, all things covered. Pat P, Brian McFadden, James Brown, JB is on the show today. Number one, JB, it's a pleasure having you here. How are you doing? Hey, B Mac, first of all, the guy you just introduced, I hope he shows up here in a few moments so you can have him as your guest, but I'm going to do my best to fill in. <laughs> but Brian, let me just say it's a blessing and a pleasure to be with you. Man, you sound flat out awesome. I know you'll get into it about how impressed I was with you when we got a chance to really connect at the NFL broadcast boot camp where, to the public, they may not know that the league selects selects from a, a number of people who write in wanting to be a part of the boot camp so they can take a look at the breadth and scope of the media business because it's more than just being, if you will, a game analyst. You can also be a studio co-host. You could be a play-by-play. You could be a sideline reporter. And you were absolutely excellent. And I love the hunger and the the the, the, uh, the quizzical nature that you had about everything. So I'm not surprised to see what you're doing now. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. it was that was an unbelievable uh, experience for me, just being able to be around some of my colleagues and also get chance to talk to you personally and see how you go about your day-to-day business. It's no surprise that you've been so successful uh, throughout your professional career and other aspects of your life. So I applaud you for being able to be a mentor to me. Mm -hmm. And the thing about JB that I love listeners and viewers, that was in 2009. I was still playing. And at that time, the only two current players that was a part of the NFL broadcast boot camp was myself and Maurice Jones-Drew, who's currently working with the NFL Network. I'm working with CBS. Uh, But the thing about JB was he extended his number to me back in 2009, and we kept in contact since then. And that is something that I would never forget because before 2009, personally, JB didn't know me. I didn't know him. But just getting the chance to sit around and monitor and talk to him, he he always told me, anytime you need anything, BMAC, reach out. And I... I casually reached out since then, uh, but just being able to reach out to JB now personally, and he hits me back and he shares, you know, uh, quality encouragement, uh, encouraging text to me, things like that. It goes a long way. So I appreciate you for your help 
And, and I will continue to try to follow your footsteps and being able to do what I, it is that I'm supposed to do in this field as well. But let's go take it back to the beginning. Mm. Grew up in the DMV. What did smart sports mean for you growing up in the DMV? Wow. So BMAC, I was probably more an observer, uh, liking sports, but not particularly being good. It wasn't until the uh, eighth grade when I was at uh, middle school, a public middle school here in the Washington, D.C. area, that Don Fugel, the coach of our middle school team, a school that produced great NBA players from back in the day, mm -hmm. like Adrian Dantley, a Hall of Famer, Kermit Washington, who played with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers and finished up with the Portland Trail Blazers, et cetera. A number of talented players, Austin Carr with the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, et cetera. But I watched, and the only reason a coach kept me, BMAC, was because I was a great listener. Look, how bad was I? When I got introduced to the student body in the eighth grade as being on the basketball team, we were to run the full length of the court, make a layup, and stand on the baseline while everybody else was being introduced. BMAC, I missed the layup. Nobody <laughs> was covering me. But like you, that same hunger and drive to get better is what helped me to progress progress in sports. And I went to the legendary uh, Morgan Wooten, uh, the legendary coach from DeMatha High School, a powerhouse for, I mean, just decades, and really worked on my craft to become an excellent basketball player and use that platform to be able to go to college. So, but I love sports. I watch, obviously, the Washington football team back in the day with Sonny Jurgensen, Charlie Taylor, and all those guys. So I am a sports lover. Baseball was my first love. Wow. And I'm happy to be, I love to say, Brian, literally and figuratively a minority owner of the Washington Nationals. So that's me kind of reliving my dream if wow. you know, to be associated with the Nationals. Mm -hmm. Oh, so so right now you're a minority owner of the Nationals. Absolutely. Love wow. whatever. Yep. Well, I didn't know that. So that's that's huge. That's huge uh, information here. Thank you for sharing that with us, because I did not know that. And I'm willing to assume, even though you're not supposed to assume a lot of our listeners and our viewers were not aware of that as well. But that's another uh, a groundbreaking uh, monumental achievement for you there, JB. And talking about your basketball career, a lot of people don't know you're a big time hooper. Like you said, you went to the math. That's a that's a athletic powerhouse, you know what I mean? Not just basketball, but football. Chase Young went to uh, DeMatha. You look at some of the NBA players, Markel Fultz, you talked about Adrian Dantley, uh, Victor Olendipo, NFL uh, professional player, Brian Westbrook went to DeMatha. So being at DeMatha, being able to be a big time baller, you were able to go to Harvard. Uh, you became a three-time All-Ivy League player at Harvard for basketball. Tell us a little bit about your basketball game at that time. You had to dig deep back in the cobwebs of the historical vault to be able to find that out. But you know what? Um, because basketball was something that I realized I had a little talent at. And as a matter of fact, and, and again, this is dusting off cobwebs for a lot of your younger uh, viewers and listeners out there. But DeMatha got put on the map back when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, then known as Luau Cinder, mm -hmm. played at Power Memorial High School in New York. They played a rematch here in the local area at Maryland University, 12,000, which was a lot back then, 500 people, 12,500 packed into Cold Field House to watch the biggest high school basketball game. And DeMatha ended Luau Sanders School's 71-game win streak. So that put the school on the map. 
and I was blessed to be able to go there. A lot of the tall guys had graduated by the time I became a senior. I did play on the varsity for three years. We went 27-3. and three. We still had a phenomenal team, but your boy had to play in the middle in a zone defense because back before I put on a few LBs, I could <laughs> leap quite a bit and, and did a nice job there. But that afforded me the opportunity to live the dream that my mother and father, God bless them, wanted each of their kids to have, and that was to go to college. And they told me that education was the key to success in the game of life. And uh, so I was blessed to be able to uh, take that and go on to uh, to a great education from there, BMAC. And I'm sure you know all about that in terms of your parents and them desiring you to be the best. Look, I wanted to play pro ball just like you were blessed to do so, Mr. Mm -hmm. Steeler. So, but I learned a painful lesson that when I got to college, unbeknownst to me, it was subtle. I got complacent and mm. didn't work as hard to stay on top as I did to get to the top. And that was the start of the precipitous slide down. So I made the point that my mantra, my work ethic would be never to be complacent about pursuing something that I wanted badly, like what you're doing now, to make certain that I brought to the table not only the requisite skills, but the passion and determination to stay excellent at it. Cool story, cool story. So JB, before entering the broadcast world, you spent some time in the corporate world, uh, but what led to the breakthrough back into sports for you? Wow, great, boy, great questions, uh, Brian. So after being cut by the Atlanta Hawks, went back home, cried, hid in the house. All my boys were like, hey man, what are you doing at home? Shouldn't you be playing? So all that just kind of rubbed it in. Um, but I got an opportunity to go and work for Xerox, which the senior executive in this area, Jay Nussbaum, they played football at Maryland University during the Tatum era, so good football. But he knew that those in the world of athletics would be excellent in the world of corporate America because they knew how to pick themselves up, mm -hmm. get off the turf, get off the basketball floor, and go back at it and not lay there and wallow in misery and that led to a number of folks going to Xerox, making them one of the leading companies in the country and exceedingly successful from a sales and sales marketing standpoint because they had talented athletes who transferred very nicely to the game in corporate America. Wow. Wow. And one thing I didn't I didn't know, I didn't know you actually had a shot with the Hawks. I didn't know that. So that's new information to me as well. So I was drafted, and this was back during the day when there were probably 12 rounds, 10 to 12 rounds of the draft. I was drafted in the fourth round by the Hawks. Um, they owned the rights to Dr. J, Julius Irving, but he decided to stay in the ABA. Mm -hmm. He also owned the rights to Dave Winfield, Hall of Fame baseball player. Yes, I checked in with both of them to find out whether they were coming to Atlanta because I was trying to enhance my chances of making it <laughs> Smart God bless him, was a very good friend and said, JB, you got the talent. Just keep working hard and it'll work out. And you know how it goes in the world of sports. Uh, the coach, when he let me go at the end of training camp, I'm trying to figure out, man, how in the world could the guy he kept, you know, be better than me? But I didn't point a finger of blame, mm -hmm. right? Because if you point a finger of blame, there are three pointing right back at you. And I knew that you don't make up for four years of complacency in college and not getting better in six months of preparation to go to the training camp and be able to make it. You mentioned the math of high school. There's uh, an expression. I remember my coach Morgan Wooten shared with us that there's no such thing as standing still. You're wow. either getting better 
or you're getting worse. No question. Brian, I have never forgotten that now on this side of sports. And talking about getting into the sports world, what were some of the challenges you faced as a black man in the industry that didn't feature a ton of minorities at that time? Oh, man. Um, I think I learned not to allow the narrow mindset mm -hmm. that others may have had to dictate and have me determine how far I could go. That wasn't to suggest that I was unmindful of what the challenges were, because I believe some of that may have played a hand in matter. But as I've gotten older and unashamedly a man of faith, um, you know, being an ordained minister, I'm learning the word and have learned the word. So and I didn't realize that's what I was doing at the time was just applying it, that I was not going to let anybody else determine how high I could go and grow in the game of life. Were there some difficulties and stumbles along the way? Absolutely. But as one who firmly believe in the word of God, that every setback doesn't have to be that. It can, as the cute expression goes, it can be a set up mm -hmm. for what's going to happen next. I just wanted to make certain that I benefited from the stumbles along the way or some of the challenges that I didn't bring upon myself to still say it's going to serve me well at some point at some point down the road. Specifically speaking, JB, what were some of the challenges that you did face? You know, back in those times, it was very, very difficult for minorities, especially in that industry. But do you have any specific stories you can share with us uh, that can be encouraging as well to some of our listeners and our viewers? And for the viewers and listeners out there, BMAC is displaying one of the first tenets of the business push for some specifics to make the point. And you're excellent with that. So a couple of things come immediately to mind. Uh, I remember working at CBS the first time around. Mm -hmm. I was one of the then young announcers who were coming up the ranks, Jim Nance, myself, Pat O'Brien, and some others, and Brian, uh, Greg Gumbel. So, but I remember that the boss had come to me. I was doing analyst work. I was doing sideline work and reporting. And he said, look, if you had an opportunity to become either the lead play-by-play -play announcer for NCAA basketball or the chance to be the host of the NCAA studio show leading to the NCAA Final Four and all of that, which one would you take? I said, hey, look, I'm a team player. However you best see what skills I have lend themselves to making us a stronger team, I'll take either one. BMAC, when he made the decision, I didn't get either position. Wow. We went Jim Nance, who is a Hall of Famer. We're the best of friends. Excellent choice. And I won't call the other guy's name who he had become the NCAA studio host. And I'm thinking, and they didn't even talk to me to explain why. Mm -hmm. Yes, let me be real and clear. I almost left the business then because I'm thinking if they don't even have enough respect for me to explain why the decision was made to go in that direction, why hang around? But my sister, um, then my girlfriend, now my wife and my mother, God bless him, said, you know what? God will make room for your talent. So you just continue to plug away and wherever you see you have a weakness, sharpen it up because you will get another opportunity. And that proved to be very prescient because it did come to pass and I was able to take up. One other one was, I remember uh, working the uh, Winter Olympics 
And I had a producer who was actually with CBS News, and I was hosting the mid-afternoon show. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a lot of talk about maybe why couldn't they have had a more sports-centric person hosting the primetime show. And the producer had had a little too much to drink and as we're over dinner. And he said, you know what? And they've got this one announcer who really doesn't look black. They could have had him host the show. Then he realized who he was talking to. Wow. So that revealed to me what the mindset that many may have behind closed doors. But I refuse again to let myself be swayed by that kind of attitude, but to persevere because excellence knows no color. And I'm very thankful that I persevered. No question. You got a chance to see your who your true character is, but not allowing that to uh, stand in front of you and be a block of other mm. opportunities. So a uh, cool story, motivational story. And we appreciate you that for that, JB. Talking about some of the things you just hit on. You know, you covered basketball, you covered the Olympics, uh, baseball. You've done it all. But how did you settle into football? I think it probably settled more into me. And Brian, I may have told you guys this when I was at the boot camp. So when I was at CBS the first time, man, we had virtually all the sports. We had baseball, we had college football, we had uh, college basketball, we had the NBA because the then commissioner, David Stern, God bless him, he had asked me to host this show that they were coming out with called, uh, the working title was NBA Entertainment it finally morphed into Inside Stuff. And Ahmad Rashad got it when it went to NBC. So here Ahmad Rashad is doing basketball that so many young people only know him for, as opposed to the outstanding NFL player he was for the Vikings. Many people knew me having gotten my foot in the door with basketball, but here I am doing football, which I didn't play. And I know you heard the story. CBS stuck with me because they knew that I was a hard worker like you, and was going to learn the craft in the first football game. And I know I've told it a number of times, but it bears repeating that my boss said, okay, you need to do all these other sports so that you can be well-rounded. Do the bicycle race, the Tour de France, or Tour de France, if you will. Water polo, cover the Pan Am games, do rock climbing. I did all of that. Gymnastics, covered it all. <laughs> Even asked Mary Lou Redden one time, we were working a gymnastics event, why it was that only the women were on the... Uh, the beam doing their exercises. And because she figured we were live, she didn't answer the question. I thought about it. I said, oh, wow, well, if a guy fell down on a beam, like, yeah. oh, okay, <laughs> I get it. You know, so I've had those moments as well too, BMAC, but it all worked out. And even in football, I remember saying a football player got tackled. It was He was a running back uh, with the uh, Atlanta Falcons, I believe it was, and he got tackled on the 65-yard line and my producer hit me in the ear, JB, there's no such thing as a 65-yard line. Go to commercial. And I hit it first by looking up at the stadium clock, which they told me, don't do that. Look at the TV monitor. It will have the right time. And I compounded the mistake when I said, we're going to step aside for a quick timeout with about eight minutes and 99 seconds left in the third period of play. <laughs> but they hung in with me, and I worked through all of that, Brian. 
Oh, no question. You worked through all of that because now, you know, you're what we call an expertise when mm. it comes to talking all sports because you've covered it all. I mean, man, that, that that laundry list of things that you've been involved in is super impressive. But let's step away from sports for just one minute. JB, I'd like to share something with you, and it's a connection to you as well. And You might not know this. On our very, very first episode of All Things Covered, I revealed my, my childhood crush mm. on our show. And you, you would never guess who my childhood crush was. And you met this person. You actually worked alongside this person. So my childhood crush, JB, back as a youngster, was Peg Bundy from Married with it. Children. Right? I love Peg. I was a little child. You know, sometimes your yeah. mind goes every which way. Yeah. Peg Bundy was my childhood crush. But in 1996, you appeared on an episode of Married with Children, which was one of my favorite shows as well. I was a big time Al fan, Al Bundy, you know what I mean? Uh, but tell us about that experience and how that came to become a reality for you. It's amazing, B-Mac, how many folks still remember that show. And I know I was a huge fan. I got a chance to do two episodes with them. One time it was about my mother, her outstanding, and you know this as well, her outstanding sweet potato pie. Okay, <laughs> I did that and did another one with them uh, as well, too. And it was an awesome experience. They couldn't have been more gracious and more welcoming to me because I knew I had to know my lines so as not to mess up everybody else who was going to play off of me. And she was awesome. Did you ever get a chance to meet her? No, no, no. Oh, man. You know what? That that would have been just awesome. But it, it was a one. And it's amazing how long memories are about that experience. And I really wanted to do more. I really I had a little bit of the bug that bit me. I got a chance to do an episode of um, of uh, not only Married with Children, but King of the Hill mm -hmm. and also The Simpsons. So it was cool. As a matter of fact, downstairs in my office, I've got a, a picture, uh, a cartoon uh, rendering of when I was on King of the Hill. Mm -hmm. And of course, my little nephew, he was probably about eight at the time. He walked into my office and he apparently liked King of the Hill and he couldn't pronounce it. He said, oh, Uncle JB. He said, Keg, K-E-G, Keg of the Hill. He said, uh, <laughs> but who's the black guy? I said, that's me, you know, but it was awesome having done those shows. And, uh, let me tell you, to be quiet, it, it, quietness is kept. There's so many actors, as you all know, who've always wanted to be athletes yep. or those who play other sports, no wanted question. to play the opposite sport. And so many athletes or ex-athletes who would love to do the whole TV or movie thing as well, too. So that was my fantasy. And I'm glad I had a chance to get a, an opportunity to do that. Well, I think you should get more opportunities because you did a great job. You know, to be just well, filling in, step into that field. You should get more opportunities, JB. Hey, we'll find out if they if they need another Morgan Freeman type that try to do that as well. <laughs> but I remember I did one for Showtime. It was called Sports Pages. It was a made for um uh, a, a movie that I did up in uh, British Vancouver. Yeah. And I tell you, I, I'm glad I did that before I did Married with Children because I was supposed to come out of the courthouse steps walked down the steps reciting my line, and then the 50 extras were to come running out of the courthouse as a decision, a verdict was rendered. And I said, man, I am not having these 50 folks, you know, have a bad memory of me because I blew my lines. So BMAC, <laughs> I had my lines down pat. Yes, sir, as a professional should. And that's what you are, JV. One of the more monumental interviews 
I've seen you do. Granted, you've done a lot. But one thing that's one interview that stuck out to me uh, was the interview with Michael Vick. You were the mm -hmm. first person to interview Mike Vick uh, after he he was released from prison. Uh, what stood out to you the most about that interview, that conversation you had with Vick and the way he's turned his life around since? Ryan, you know, I love being a special correspondent for CBS News because it gives me an opportunity to do a wide range of things. And I know you're experiencing this now that if you are a broadcaster, you can do anything, whether it's in entertainment, whether it's in sports, whether it's in news, understanding the mechanics of the job and just what you're doing so well with your preparation and the outstanding questions that you're asking to paint the picture for your viewers and listeners. With Michael Vick, it was actually before we did the interview. I remember coming home from wherever I was, listening on radio at the time, and then actually watching on TV when he was standing at the podium at a hotel in Richmond, Virginia, right before sentencing, where I heard his heart, Bryant, mm -hmm. about how he was about to go serve time. He felt he had gotten so big in the game of football that he was like a Teflon man. Nothing was going to stick in terms of what he was doing. He is not a bad kid at all, wasn't then. So I heard his heart. So of course, everybody was going after him to get the interview, but I remember talking to his lawyer, Billy Martin. I remember talking to his crisis communications manager uh, about whom the show Scandal on TV was patterned after. And I asked him if I could get a chance to go and visit with him. In prison, Coach Dungy became a mentor to him. Coach and I decided to travel separate times he went to Leavenworth at one time. I went to Leavenworth at another time to talk with him. And when he came out in his prison garb and he sat down and talked with me, I said, Michael, if I heard you correctly in your heart, genuine remorse, I'd like to do the interview. He was being told to do interviews for money because he had a huge debt to pay back. Mm -hmm. I told him that was the worst thing he could do. Because everybody would see his answers through the lens of money, yep. him being paid for it. I said, if you do the right thing, you'll be blessed with an opportunity to come back again. But you need to be truthful. And understand, this is not a puff piece. I've got hard questions to ask you. He said, I owe answers to those hard questions. And that's how the interview came about. Here's how I close on that story. To show you how serious he was, walking the road to redemption earning his way back, having paid his debt to society, told him, yeah, there are going to be a number of people who will never forgive you. My mother-in-law was a major animal lover, had a very difficult time. But I said, they're going to be the intractable few who will never forgive you. But you need to walk the road to redemption knowing your remorse is genuine. For two years, the Humane Society employed him as one to go out to the major urban areas, just like in the rural areas, they'll get the people from that environment to go talk to people in that environment to dissuade them from engaging in dog fighting. He said two years that contract was for. Hey, Brian, he's been doing it ever since because he's committed. He's walked the road to redemption. He's on television. He's serious about his family and his faith. He is an example, and I thank God for that example. I know there are many people who will disagree with me, yep. but hey, everybody deserves a second chance. No question, because we'll, we will all fall short of perfection. Absolutely. No one is perfect that walks this earth, and sometimes people forget that, and that's why they 
cast so much judgment on people when they make mistakes. And when they pass judgment, it's being unmindful that every last one of us is an ex something or other. Mm -hmm. And from a faith standpoint, who have been forgiven and are doing wonderful things now, we ought to have the same attitude towards those who genuinely walk the road of repentance. No question, no question, JB. And the thing about your career, uh, JB, you've been around for such a long time and you've been doing it at a high level for such a long time. Are there, are, are there any other interviews or moments that stick with you the most throughout your career? You know what, probably the most fascinating story and people might say, yeah, I mean, humbly so, thank you for talking about the 10 hostings of the uh, Super Bowl which came from a guy, again, who said a guy was tackled on the 65-yard line. So, hey, you can't tell me God isn't good trying <laughs> to do that uh, and covering all those other sports, going over to Cuba to interview baseball players and the like. Perhaps the most exciting story I've done as a reporter was with 12 Special Olympians whose sole aim was to prove to America and the world that they were and are just as success driven as big studs like yourself as able-bodied athletes. Mm -hmm. So I went over to Africa to climb Mount Kilimanjaro with those 12 Olympians so they could put that flag at the top of the mountain that says, let me be brave, which is the motto of the Special Olympics, a special climb of Mount Kilimanjaro. Now, sadly, we got to the 16,000 foot level of the 19,340 foot height when a when one of the worst snowstorms in 25 years hit that region uh, up at that altitude. So it was determined that six of us adults would take the seven um, take the seven take seven of them back down the mountain, and five of the strongest with their guides would go to the top. And this was a true example of teamwork. While the seven were very disappointed, crying, emotional, they cheered on the other five who were representing them like bench players, if you will, mm -hmm. and cheered them on. It was the most one of the most emotional stories I've ever done. That sticks out in my mind. Wow. Wow. And when we release this, I'm pretty sure they have some footage or some video clips of that. I think we should definitely add this uh, to our show when we release this. So visually, our listeners and our viewers can our viewers can see exactly uh, that uh, opportunity. Because... Hey, Ryan, and what they're going to see is a very dark skinned brother, JB, in my <laughs> climbing gear. And you were only supposed to have 10 pounds of material in your backpack. Yep. I didn't realize it because at the end of each day, the first four days, as black as your boy is, I was turning white at the end. <laughs> and people were like, wait a minute, didn't this brother play ball? What's the deal? And when the lead guide, who was the lead guide for Sigourney Weaver in the movie Gorillas in the Mist, yep. he came and checked my backpack and he said, my brother, you got 40 pounds of material in here and up at altitude, that gets heavy. But the guys wouldn't believe that I was in pretty good shape. All they remember were the first four days when I was turning white at the end of the day. <laughs> so they sent me back down the mountain with the other seven Special Olympians. So no, we, we definitely got to check that out. And also, too, uh, I've, I've heard that you have a new project that you're in, in the works of, of completing with Tony Dungy. Could you fill us in a little bit about uh, this project that you and Coach Dungy have, have going on? Hey, Brian, yeah, as everybody knows, Talk about an awesome man who walks the talk. He's the genuine article. And the same principles uh, that he adheres to uh, in the game of life that he did before he became a coach and certainly after a coach, 
is what helped him to become the first African-American to win a Super Bowl mm -hmm. as a head coach, but more importantly in the game of life because he's distinctly a man of faith and he employs those principles that motivated the players to go out and play exceedingly well, not only in turning the Tampa Bay Buccaneers around from perennial losers to perennial winners, he just didn't get the opportunity to get into the Super Bowl as uh, the coach with the uh, Raiders. Come on. Um, uh, John Gruden. Gruden. John yep. Gruden. Um, but John Gruden acknowledged that was Tony's team. But yep. Tony did get that opportunity with the Indianapolis Colts and did just that. So what we've been doing is because a lot of people, and you probably have lived through this, they have a very narrow prism through which they look at athletes thinking they're only concerned about making money or, you know, appearances and don't care about other things. No, that's why we see these athletes so engaged in helping to make their communities that they grew up in and where they play stronger to strengthen the fabric of those communities, all focused around unity in terms of things. So that's why you see them engaged in so many other things. Tony and I had it as a mission with the Andrew Womack Ministries to own a TV program called Beyond the Game to mm -hmm. interview athletes who are people of substance and character across the racial spectrum and the good things that they're doing. And uh, so I know one on Troy Vincent, the executive vice president with the league, uh, will be coming up. Uh, 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 so we've, we've got a lot of these guys that we're uh, focusing on. And with Trinity Broadcast Network, which happens to be the globe's largest Christian network, we're also doing interviews with people. Tamika Catchings, the young lady who played one of the greatest in the WNBA. Mm -hmm. Ryan, awesome, awesome talent. If you haven't interviewed her, she has to be A-plus on the list to go after. Tony Dungy was sharing that when we did some interviews with uh, Scott Drew, the coach who led the uh, Baylor Bears to the NCAA basketball tournament. So we're doing a number of interviews like that with people across the spectrum so they can get to see what they're about. Roger Goodell, for all the brick bats that he take, but he brought a lot of players, as you know, to the table. Everything's not going to be perfect, but brought a bunch of players to the table that led to the Players Coalition and what these guys are out there doing in communities around the country, changing laws, getting money put into underserved communities. That's what athletes have been doing for a long time. And we want to showcase that to show that we've got some brilliant people like you doing those kinds of things. Wow. So when should, you know, the fans, listeners and viewers be prepared to see these interviews? So I think what they can do, uh, we're on YouTube mm -hmm. with uh, Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game. Okay. Have, uh, you can you can uh, Google that. You can take a look at that on, on YouTube. And with Trinity Broadcast Network, yes, TBN is what everybody knows about. It's on Christian television, but it also will be played on secular TV because there are a number of secular stations that this run on. As a matter of fact, probably in about another month or so, we'll have uh, episodes being airing because it'll be with training camps, NFL training camps. We did an interview with Clark Hunt, uh, an awesome owner, uh, and clearly with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and how powerful they are. Uh, and with a number of the people that we've interviewed, they're going to see that. We'll probably be doing one shortly with uh, Ray Lewis, and Michael Irvin, two other guys who walked the road to redemption exceedingly well, and what they're doing in motivating young people around the country and indeed the globe is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what we could do also, and what we will do, not could do, what we will do, we will uh, put the links to Beyond the Game 
in our episode descriptions. So when people watch us on YouTube, you know, people listening to us on their podcast platforms, they're able to click on the link and get all the information they need regarding the new show with Tony, Tony Dundee and yourself and being able to watch it as well. So we do everything in our power to try to promote that as best as possible. Hey, and what my assistant who happens to be my niece, who's been trying to teach uh, uh, the OG here, all things new as it relates to technology. <laughs> I'm sure she would say, you know, you can Google with, you know, hey, JB and Tony Dungy interview on such and such and or, or YouTube it, and it'll bring it to the forefront. So she's bringing me up to the 21st century and I'm still fighting her because the first time I was working with her two years ago, now she's getting ready to go to France uh, to get her master's degree over uh -huh. in Paris. She's a French <laughs> major having graduated with honors from the University of Virginia. But I remember the first time I was sitting down to go over a list of administrative things. And I'm like, well, Ashley, where's your pencil and paper, your pen and paper? She said, Uncle James, I got my laptop right here. You know, so, hey, BMAC, your yeah. boy party, so. Hey, JB, I'm old school also. I got an old soul. I still use pen and paper as well. <laughs> I still use pen and paper. You see, I got my pen here. I got I got my paper right here. I still use pen and paper. Hey, it is all good. It is all good. No question. We got we, we have a few more questions. We're gonna wrap it up for you shortly, JB. Uh, question I wanted to get to you to get your opinion on. We just recently celebrated Juneteenth. Mm. Uh, before we get to the football side of things, uh, let's talk about you know off the field with the NFL. Where do you think we're at compared to a year ago, as a country in terms of social justice in terms of the sports world even if there aren't a number of the athletes coaches or executives who buy into athletes being socially engaged meaningfully engaged in their communities doing excellent work we are further along than where we were just a couple years ago you would know this all too well about how many owners wanted nothing to do with the mm -hmm. players who felt committed. You know, my nephew, John Brown, um, he, he hit me with the statement, he's an excellent chef. And he was saying, you know, when people sit down to listen, they ought to sit down to listen for the purpose, uh, not to respond and argue and debate, but to listen, to learn and understand. And if people just would have a receptive heart, you may recall at this year's Super Bowl, I know my boss, the chairman, Sean McManus of CBS Sports, asked me to write a commentary on how we could do things better in terms of getting more women involved in decision-making and decision-influencing positions in the executive levels, at the executive levels in the world of sports and certainly the NFL, as well as coaches of color as well. And we know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one of the best examples of showing yep. what diversity is with the coaching staff, yep. making the point that diversity matters, inclusion wins. That's what they did. So I see us as a lot further along. I know people are talking about the conversations. They need to continue, but beyond the conversations, we need to be about doing what the old Nike and Thomas Nike expression is. Just do it. Yes, so sir. Until we get people at the table, having a seat at the table, whose voices are being heard, now you got to do something with it. In the corporate world, I learned in the corporate environment, the same thing that coaches in the sports world do. You cannot expect what you don't inspect. Mm -hmm. There are metrics to determine whether or not you are making progress. That same metric or mantra needs to be applied to this because 
At the end of the day, I advocate what is a biblical solution to things because it's been proven for 430 years. You cannot dictate, mandate, or legislate love. Love is a choice. In terms of equality, it's a choice. It's not a feeling. That's what we need to do. And until people see that, I don't think we're ever going to find a solution, not until Jesus comes back the second time. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. I had to write that one down. I might have to steal that one from you, JB. You can't Please expect, hey, you can't sure expect what you don't inspect. Oh, hey, and but Brian, that is so true. Hey, yep. look at me. If you, Brian, if you own a car dealership and you're finding out that market share is starting to dip, you're going to ask your sales staff and your executives, what's going on? Come, let's sit down and have a review so we can examine what's causing this market drop. Mm -hmm. And once you figure out what the problem is, now you put in place a, a game plan, if you will, like the playbook. You put in place a game plan to address that. And then you review it on an ongoing basis, just like football teams self-scout as well as look at the opposition, yep. they're inspecting it. The only way that you can expect progress is to inspect where you are. Ah, ah, Jules dropping, giving us some gems right here, JB. We appreciate it. Mm. Uh, well, final question for you. I have two more questions for you. Uh, what advice can you give black journalists that want to pursue the path you took? And this one, much as you heard me say earlier, truth knows no color. Excellence knows no color. Yeah, we have people who don't have a loving and inclusive mindset that will continue to perpetrate and perpetuate that which is wrong, but excellence will always shine. Don't let anybody tell you what you can't do because then what they're doing is stealing or attempting to steal or you're giving them who you really are. God gave out gifts and talents to everybody that knows him as God. Spiritual blessings and benefits, gifts and talents, Brian, absolutely. So be the best, Brian McFadden, be the best Tamika catchings that you can be and you will shine because excellence cannot be stopped. Excellence will be sought out. There are many characters in the Bible who the people dislike but those in charge, the king, the pharaoh, whatever, they saw the blessings, the gifts, the favor on their lives, and they put them in positions of influence. All truth is parallel. What's true in the natural is true in the spiritual or the supernatural as well. So be the best that you can be. I tell young folks all the time, they say they're going to go interview for a job. What do I need to do? Well, you've already set a track record because people will look at what you have done to determine what you can do. Mm -hmm. So make certain that every step along the way you've done at BMAC, what you did at the broadcast boot camp, you showed the same tenacity, hunger, intelligence, a good grasp of the, the language so that you can be a great writer and a great expositor, a great orator, all those things. And look at what you're doing now. So that's why, and if people looked at what your background was like, yes, even in the game of football, what you did back there, team player on the whole nine yards, set the stage for anybody who's examining properly what you could do and now are doing 
and will continue to do. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And I hope, you know, our listeners and our viewers are doing what I'm doing right now, soaking it up like a sponge, mm. you know what I mean? And making mm. it a part of your life, mm. not just sometimes, but every day is an opportunity to be able to showcase the excellence that you mm -hmm. have. You know what I mean? And it all starts in the mind. It starts with the tongue. You know, you, you speak things into, the, into existence, allow them to manifest, but you got to believe it. You know what I mean? You have to believe it. You can't say you want to be the best uh, NASCAR driver and don't go out and work on your craft. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So you got to be able to speak these things into existence, but be willing to put in the work as well. BMAC, when I go to preach at the next church, you're coming with me. Because <laughs> what you just said is a truth, my brother. There's no question about it. Hey, look, people can, you know, they can push back and throw brickbats at me all the want. That's good. But you know what? It's too late because I know what the truth is now. I've learned. So, and I've seen it manifest itself. And you're so right. Words are important mm -hmm. because when you speak something, when it leaves your mouth, Whatever that word is, it will take root someplace. There is a scripture that says evil communications corrupts good manners. There's mm -hmm. one that talks about you can't go out and see a stream. And if you get some water from that stream and it's fresh water, you're going to expect it to be fresh water when you come back the next time. If it comes back and it's bitter water, hey, that doesn't make sense. You can either have fresh water, clean water, or bitter. They're not coming out of the same. So when people engage in profane language, the same mouth that you use to bless your kids, to bless your wife, your girlfriend, to bless each other, should not be used to foul up a situation because evil communications do, in fact, corrupt good manners. Bad company will make for bad influence on that person who is hanging around them. That's just the fact of life. No question. Jewels being dropped here. I hope everyone is enjoying this. The last question I have for you, JB, and we know you got to get ready to go to the barber to get that fresh haircut, that fresh weekly haircut. The best NFL show on Sundays is NFL Today on CBS. And I'm. they can say I'm biased or whatever the case is, but it's the best show because of the personalities that's involved in that show. One of the personalities being yourself. But you work with a great cast of guys. Who was the funniest co-host on the show? And do you have any funny behind the scene moments you can share with us? Hey, first of all, and, and this is not just trying to be politically correct. I am unabashedly a dyed-in-the-wool CBS product. I got my start there. When they lost football, I went over to Fox. Phenomenal show. They had a different attitude to sugarcoat the education pill, make it fun. And they have been phenomenally successful with it. I work with guys over there, Jimmy Johnson, Howie Long, Ronnie Lott, Chris Collinsworth, and the absolute crack up in Terry Bradshaw. Learn something from them all. When ESPN, you know, had a show when Chris Berman was there, I learned something from them all. But I love my CBS family. Phil Sims is a gym rat. He watches more film than some coaches do. Boomer Esiason, a league MVP, when he was with Arizona, he clearly is bringing a quarterback's mentality to it. Bill Cower, a ex-stealer, as you well know, look at one of the smartest guys. He's got the first notebook when he was an assistant coach in the league where he's got all of his copious notes. He's got a library full of that. That's how seriously he applied himself. Jason Lockenford, our reporter, 
But let me be clear. Your guy, Nate Burleson, has <laughs> brought a whole different flavor to the set, a young man's flavor. What he did with Nickelodeon to make the game fun for a mm-hmm. bunch of young folks was flat out awesome. Of course, when they scored a touchdown, that's when you saw the green slime. Yes, the We slime. talked about when you get the ball down to the red zone from 20 yards and in, that's where you pass quizzes all up to this point. Now you got the, the, the test at the red zone. Kids understood it, and he made it fun. And he's funny because when he first in his first year, they said he was going to do a skit with Bill Cowher, um, and he was to go in and be pressing the coach about how he was talented and wanted more opportunity to freelance. And Nate, when he engaged in the skit with Bill, he felt he had pushed Bill Cowher too far because Bill Cowher started biting his bottom lip that chin jutted out. He was spitting as he was speaking. And Nate said, oh, my gosh, this man has flipped the switch and gone into a different zone. And he backed up on it. That was one of the funniest things that I have ever seen. But now Nate, as an Emmy Award winner for the best studio host in this year's Emmys, he has certainly proven why he is on such a high trajectory with a Good Morning, um, good morning Football, football yep. uh, which he does clearly with us. And also what he's been doing uh, uh, with the show, the, uh, the entertainment show that he does. E-TV. I mean, he's well-rounded, which makes the point that if you're gifted and understanding the business and you bring some substance to the table, nothing is off limits. Clearly, Michael Strahan has shown that as well. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. And we enjoy watching you guys on Sunday. I know I enjoy watching you guys on Sundays because it gets me prepared for my uh, work day as long with my Watching football day. I mean, I think we got the best job in the world. We get a chance to watch football and talk about it. Agreed. Could not, <laughs> hey, could not be better. And I am humbly thankful to all of my colleagues and clearly the bosses over at CBS and now Viacom CBS uh, with the big fellows over there, uh, Bob Backish and, of course, uh, George Cheeks, who are our big football fans. But it certainly doesn't hurt um, that, um, that our biggest of all bosses um, she enjoys football as well, uh, Sherry Redstone. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt with JB, man. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for the for the knowledge you've been able to share with us, the informative information, the entertaining stories. It's a pleasure. Continue to be uh, the sound individual you've been throughout your professional career, uh, you know, in front of the cameras and away from the cameras as well. It's always a plus, uh, positive being able to talk to you. I appreciate you joining us here. All Things Covered, Pat P, Brian McFadden. It's a pleasure. Hey, and you tell Patrick Peterson, you more than delivered. Hey, look, so I'll be I'll be better prepared for him when he joins you next time because you met, you smacked the home run as always. Thank you so much, B-Mac. I appreciate it. Thank you, JV. Thank you, JV.